Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and BetOnline is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football and NHL in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to the BetOnline website today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us and listening in and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world for three years running. This is episode 41 of season five, and um, we have a very interesting episode today. We'll be talking about the salary cap. This is not something that we've spent too much time on uh, in this podcast uh, talking about this, but it's something that um, has come up recently, particularly an article I was reading about uh, with regard to um, the Premier League uh, over in England. Uh, obviously, uh, our version of soccer, their version of football, right? And um, very popular sport, very popular league globally. And as I went through this exercise, as I was doing some research into um, comparing leagues in terms of whether they have salary caps or whether they have luxury taxes or whether they don't have any of those. And I, it sort of, I came to a lot of different conclusions in this in terms of uh, what the facts sort of really showed. And what we can kind of determine here is that salary caps in general and luxury taxes are mostly an American invention. It's something that you see mostly in American professional sports. So the idea that the Premier League would introduce a salary cap to reduce spending and reduce debt, uh, which a lot of the European leagues are starting to deal with, um, you know, is somewhat of a surprise, um, but a good, I, I think from, from a business perspective, maybe something that the league is considering, but definitely something that uh, is a surprise. So if you look at, if we're looking at American professional sports, particularly in the NFL, the National Football League, the NBA, the National Basketball Association, the NHL, National Hockey League, there is a salary cap on how much teams uh, can spend in salaries on players. So the NBA has sort of this mixed system of salary cap and luxury tax. Luxury tax might be um, also known as a soft salary cap with penalties. So you can exceed it, but you're going to, you're going to basically pay a, a tax on that with, with some exceptions. So for example, um, and then by the way, this is all under the collective bargaining agreement for each of these leagues. So we're talking about the CBA rules 
uh, when we're looking at this and discussing salary cap. And this is something that's negotiated every four to six years. Um, usually it's usually every four years, sometimes five in terms of how long these CBAs go for. Sometimes they're longer, just depends on the league. So for the 2023-2024 season, so for this current season upcoming, starting this week with the NBA, you have a salary cap of 136 million per team. The luxury tax is 165 million. Then they have this sort of level called the first apron, which is 172 million, and the second apron, which is 182.5 million. So what does that mean? Well, most NBA teams exceed the 136 million mark through player exceptions. One of these exceptions is known as the Larry Bird exception or the Bird exception for short. And it can be utilized by a team signing its own free agents. So let's say, for example, you have a star player becoming a free agent, or even if they're not a sort of star player and they're becoming a free agent, they're currently signed with a team that team would have an exception to sign that player. So maybe that salary is not counted against the cap. Now there's also financial fines that are induced and paid um, when a team exceeds the uh, salary cap and of course, um, or exceeds the luxury tax or that first apron or second apron. And anytime you go over those numbers, the fines get larger and the penalties get larger. And of course, the money that's paid by the teams that are being taxed go to the non-taxing teams, the teams who are not paying a tax at the end of the season. And of course, if a team exceeds the first or second apron, it will again lose certain privileges like restrictions on trade exceptions and trading draft picks. And the whole point in looking at this, by the way, is not only to compare um, American and international sports leagues in terms of salary caps because of this Premier League decision, but also to see if they've actually worked, to see if the salary caps are actually uh, doing anything for these leagues. Um, and, and some of the reasons being, you know, these leagues want league parity, which means they want teams to, all the teams to do well, or at least most of the teams to do well. We'll talk about player development. We'll talk also about free markets and capitalism and sports. So if we switch over to the NFL for the 2023-2024 season, the NFL has a salary cap of $224.8 million per team. So if a team exceeds this number, it is fined and loses uh, some abilities to sign players and make trades. There's actually restrictions on, you know, if they have certain draft picks or whatever, they're restricted by trading those if they go over um, the salary cap. There's actually some great resources out there. Uh, Sport Track is a good website where it shows pretty much every league where the team is, how much they've spent, um, where certain money is going. Uh, so really just a, a great exercise to see how the teams stack up in terms of the spending. And it's also nice to compare that to like win-loss record and whether they've made the playoffs or postseason and whether they won a championship recently. So it's very interesting to look at this from a, an analytical standpoint to see how your team is doing based on the money that it's spending. And there's not necessarily a correlation. There, there is somewhat uh, in certain areas but generally, you can't spend the most money to win, and you can't be uh, you can't be in a situation where you're not spending a ton of money and win. There, it's usually sort of a mix or some sort of um, you know compromise in there, uh, which we'll get into. So there's also a minimum salary cap in the NFL, and that's determined by over a four-year period, 
that specific team has to have spent at least 89% of the salary cap over that four-year period. So that means in the NFL, the salary cap is $224.8 million. A team would have to have spent 89% of that amount per year. So let's say a little north of $200 million per year. Otherwise, they'll get fined for that as well. And the point in the minimum is to say that they don't want teams that essentially um, you know, tank every year uh, to get more draft picks or uh, don't put an effort into putting a, a winning team on the field uh, just in the effort to save money and make money on the on on the franchise, of course, um, which which is interesting because the teams that are most successful also tend to win the most. So generally, you know, if you're winning more, you're going to sell more merchandise, you're going to sell more tickets, you're going to get more TV time and ad time. That's really sort of for free, quote unquote, because teams are are at ESPN and and um, other news media outlets is going to be um, sort of highlighting the team, right? And of course, it's a good thing to be highlighted when you're doing well versus when you're doing bad. So, of course, if uh, teams also have options to use bonuses and incentives and deferments to avoid salary cap issues, and you'll often see very um, adept front offices uh, look at ways to move money around to make it so you fall under the salary cap. Now, the NHL salary cap for the 2023-2024 season is is 83.5 million. Now, let me stop here for a second because you might be wondering, wow, that's a big difference between, you know, let's say the uh, NBA, which is 136 million, the NFL, which is 224 million, and the NHL, which is 83 million or 83 and a half million. And of course, this also follows the amount of popularity for the sports. The NFL is generally the most popular, uh, NBA is usually uh, sort of second. Um, and then you've got baseball and soccer and then the NHL. And I think the numbers in many ways reflect this, except when we get into soccer, we'll explain that a little bit, a, a little, a little bit more um, as we sort of look at this. So the NHL has a salary cap of 83 and a half million. Now the minimum team salary cap is 61.7. So uh, 61.7 million. So a team is going to have to stay between those numbers to not sort of have any issues with fines, exceptions, or, um, fines or 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 uh or losing draft picks or what have you. So of course there's exceptions to this meaning that uh, and exceptions do exist in most sports in 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 America uh when you're talking with about salary caps but teams who go beyond or do not meet the cap or the floor the minimum is that might be referred to uh can suffer fines up to 5 million dollars, cancel contracts, loss of draft picks, points because um, obviously the NHL works on a point system in terms of how many points a team has, and not, not in terms of goals, but points in terms of assist and uh, all the other categories that are included with regard to uh, uh, obtaining points or acquiring points, right? So the NHL clearly has a lower salary cap than the other leagues, and this is really based on league revenues and television broadcast and streaming contracts. Um, which really don't don't equal that of the NBA or the NFL or even Major League Baseball. And of course, I think most industry experts would say that the NHL salary cap is considered uh, a very strict one by its rules and also its enforcement. Then moving over to Major League Soccer or MLS, it, it has a salary cap split into two figures. The one is $6.425 million for the minimum spend and 11 
$5.643 million for the total cap. So meaning that teams are usually in that space. So it's essentially a, a salary cap minimum and, and sort of max, right? Or floor and max. And of course, um, the total spend is, or total cap is really for bonuses, performance, discretionary spend, that sort of thing. Um, and of course, with the MLS being the newest of the big five professional American sports leagues between the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, and MLS, MLS is the newest, right? So its figures are going to be a lot lower than these other more established leagues. Although, you know, being that it was only established in 1993, MLS has really come a long way. Uh, but its salaries are clearly much lower compared to um, other leagues, and even its minimum salaries are much lower. Now, moving over into Major League Baseball, this is really interesting. So MLB uh, does not have a salary cap or a minimum spend, but it does have a luxury tax, or in other words, what they call a competitive balance tax, because the whole point is to make the league more competitive, right? Now, this competitive balance tax is only triggered once a team exceeds a threshold of salary spend. So it, for the 2024 season, the luxury tax threshold will be $237 million with not only penalties on overages when you spend over, but additional penalties depending on the amount of the overage. So if like to say you're $20 million over, so there'll be a penalty on that as well. And there's also a penalty when a team goes over the amount uh, multiple times, like in terms of a back-to-back a, a, um, -back, you know, years, right? So if you go over it two years in a row, three years in a row, four years in a row, there's additional penalties that accumulate. So it could get pretty expensive. And this is, of course, why the Dodgers in many ways were incentivized in the last offseason to not spend as much because they wanted to get below the cap. That may up, may end up changing, though, because there is this issue with uh, Trevor Bauer and the money that he's owed. And some of that money may end up being counted against the cap, which would go towards um, or the, the, the luxury tax, which may mean more taxes. And it would also mean that the Dodgers would be multiple offenders in terms of that tax. So, um, and of course, if you, if you are finding yourself as a team in a situation where you go past the cap or you, um, sort of in, in a situation, um, we, again, where you go past the cap, I think a loss of draft place. So they don't lose draft picks. They just lose sort of the place in the draft. Uh, there are some other international, um, um, Consequences to some of this, if you overspend, you only get certain pool money. So again, um, Major League Baseball has really, I think, tried to do a lot of work with, if you do, even if they don't have a, a salary cap, uh, they still try to make it so that the teams are, are more competitive. Now, of course, again, as I mentioned, salary caps and luxury taxes are generally an American product in sports business, but the Premier League is clearly considering this. Um, and of course, the Premier League is facing issues of teams overspending compared to lower spending clubs, uh, which, which can lead to less parity in the standings and um, playoff and postseason uh, appearances. So in looking at La Liga, for example, this is the Spanish Professional Football League or Soccer League. Um, we can see that uh, the league in the news has been struggling to meet revenue expectations. It's dealing with a lot of debt. And they recently lowered their salary cap. Salary cap um, it was $692 million and, uh, they lowered it to $288 million. So it's a reduction of over 400 million. This is a huge jump. And I think it, it shows 
um, some of the issues in um, in leagues, really, uh, mostly in Europe, but um, but but really globally, I think, in terms of how to adjust these salary caps and what makes sense. Well, Real Madrid, one of the most popular teams in the world, and uh, a team obviously in La Liga, uh, did have a team salary that was seven hundred seventy-five million prior to the forced reduction. Uh, Premier League salaries, by the way, team salaries range from two hundred forty-nine point eight million to twenty-seven point eight million in payroll. While most of the La Liga clubs, even though you have, um, you know, Real Madrid and uh, and Barcelona and uh, Madrid Atletico towards the top in terms of there is a huge disparity between those three top clubs and the, all the other teams. Almost all the other La Liga clubs are well below $50 million. There's a few that are around $50 million in terms of team salary, but the mo- most are around 25 and well below uh, $50 million. And of course, if you're looking at baseball as a comparison, uh, MLB payrolls in 2023 range from $353 million for the New York Mets to $56 million for the Oakland Athletics. And of course, both teams did not reach um, the postseason, which goes back to my point that generally you can't spend the most money or spend the least money and win. It's somewhere in the middle, right? It's it's somewhere you got to find uh, the, sort of the sweet spot there, right? There are several reasons for the disparity in team spending. Uh, one is history, uh, essentially the year the league was founded. Another is how many players are needed on a team. A third is based on television um, sort of broadcast and streaming and other revenues. Of course, a strong players union will continue to push for higher salaries. But at the end of the day, league revenues are de- are the determining factor um, in terms of how much a league spends and uh, and how much a teams in that league spend on salaries. As because we're for the most part we're dealing in a free market system when we're talking about free agents. Um, it's based on how much past players were paid. Uh, as much as you might do in the free market. And you'd say, well, this company made this. We're similarly situated. We should be paid that. Of course, um, prior to becoming a free agent, it is not a open system. It's mostly a closed system. Um, but that being said, I think um, league revenues, the point here is league revenues are generally the determining factor uh, as to how much a league uh, teams in a league will spend. Now let's get into this a little bit. So when we're talking about uh, league parity. So league parity is all about we want to have more teams be successful and more teams win championships, right? So why do professional sports leagues utilize salary caps and luxury taxes to limit spending? And is there any proof of success for this? Well, of course, from starting from the beginning, leagues want parity, right? Sports leagues want to see a wide variety of teams making the playoffs and postseason and winning championships because it's good for competitive sports. It's good for revenues. In American sports, there's no relegation to lower levels like you would see in European uh, European countries and counterparts. Uh, but the results are interesting because MLB has nearly identical success in terms of a variety of teams making the postseason, despite having the least amount of teams be eligible for a postseason uh, by the rules. Uh, whereas NHL has the most teams making the postseason along with the NBA and then next the NFL. And then of course, with um, obviously with uh, baseball um, sort of being the league that has the least amount. And, uh, but of course with fewer amount of teams, they've still seen a wide array of teams make the postseason, meaning that uh, you're generally having teams that are 
are winning one year, but not winning the next year. And, and you have a good variety there. There's actually a great article, um, some great articles out there. One was on CBS sports where it kind of broke down, um, some of these numbers. I think at the end of the day, player development is essential regardless of whether a team is spending money. Uh, the, the major league baseball invented the farm system when it comes to development of players. And this was through Dodgers and baseball legend, Branch Rickey, who of course, uh, broke the color barrier with, um, Jackie Robinson. And, you know, the NFL's minor league is mainly, is mainly NCAA college football. Um, the NBA's is really the same with NCAA college basketball. They also have the D league, um, uh, which is now the G league, uh, for Gatorade. They have the overtime elite league, and there's obviously a increasing number of foreign born players. The NHL is almost identical to major league baseball. There's a mix of NCAA players, farm system, and overseas players. Uh, MLS also has NCAA. There's also some foreign-born players and players developed through lower-level uh, lower clubs. Of course, international soccer is completely different. It's almost solely through lower-level development through clubs. Uh, there's College sports do not exist in Europe or really anywhere else in the world outside of the United States, uh, and at least to the level of what the United States has. And of course, this is to say that despite the league disparity in salaries, the development of players is always essential to success. Um, spending money really is only a tool. It's not a solution to winning. Uh, in other words, um, smart teams have a natural salary cap because development requires something more than money. Uh, I've written about this topic, spoken about this topic, where you know we sort of look at this idea of what it takes to build a great franchise. And to me, it's always great venue, lease, market, and personnel, and with, with an emphasis on personnel. Now, when you're looking at professional sports, most sports leagues have antitrust exemptions. And I think this plays very interesting into um, sports leagues and how they do business, right? So professional sports leagues have tried to limit spending through caps and floors, They've also tried to incentivize teams to sign or not sign free agents through cost-saving measures with exemptions or exceptions. There's been sort of the loss of draft picks. Um, but I think, again, the most successful teams in the world consistently draft, develop, and sign players well despite their spending. So they may spend on certain things, and you may have, you know, it might be true that maybe the higher spending teams towards, towards the upper echelon make the playoffs more, but it's also because they're developing players. So they're using an advantage that they have with money, but not letting that go to the wayside with regard to developing, you know, players that they draft or, or, or even um, signing players that were sort of cast off as saying, Oh, this person can't do this well. And then coaching that player, training with that player to make them better. Right. Because, you know, look, I mean, we look at this, there's a reason why the teams that continue to finish last always seem to get the first round draft picks, but they don't necessarily get better or win championships. Uh, they have to be committed to development and spending money. So, um, because eventually those free agents are going to leave, right? They're going to go to another place. They're going to be traded or even be traded before they become a free agent. So you get more draft picks, but you can't always win on those, right? You can't always win on your return. But uh, again, I think this is where, front office can be very important in terms of how it manages this. And of course, when you combine this with analytics 
and uh, technological advances in artificial intelligence, you can really have some sustained success if you've got a, a very uh, smart front office. And of course, as I mentioned with, this, with the antitrust exemptions, I can only imagine, and we can only imagine what salary caps would look like um, in a non-antitrust world. They, they wouldn't be allowed, right? Because there wouldn't be allowed to be a salary cap on how much money can be paid. Um, you know, you wouldn't be able to have a situation where folks agree to not being paid, you know, um, more than what the market could, uh, or less than what the market could bear, right? So very interesting because caps and floors really force teams to comply. Um, but if there wasn't an antitrust or uh, exemption in here, there could be some, some serious issues. And I'm not advocating that the antitrust exemption should be lifted. Um, I'm just saying that uh, it does uh, present some issues uh, if something like that were to occur. Now, of course, what I've also seen more recently is um, teams raising minimum salaries because what we find is, is that a player is unlikely to play a long time and, and, and for that reason, unlikely to reach free agency, either because of injury or performance. So it's really a balancing act um, on spending and development. And, you know, leagues will continue to not only debate the issue with each other, but also amongst the players, right? When you're going through collective bargaining agreements. But I, I clearly think that going forward, um, the leagues and the players and the teams are going to have to continue to look at each other as partners in this endeavor and, and less as management and talent um, because they need each other to, to, to thrive and survive. You know, um, strikes, you know, generally, um, are not well received by the public. And I know that a lot of unions will go through strikes currently dealing that with SAG-AFTRA and obviously uh, uh, the Hollywood sort of industry just went through this with the WGA. And of course, sports has gone through it. Uh, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, the more these leagues and talent look at each other as partners, I think uh, they're going to be better off. So Again, folks, uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, my name is Jeremy Evans. I'm the host of California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us. Uh, this week, we've talked about salary caps and whether they've been successful or not. Um, I think the data shows that uh, in some sense, it's helped to um, restrict spending. Uh, but I think overall, um, when you have one league that can show that Without a, without a salary cap, a strict salary cap, you can still have parity in sports. I think it kind of, um, it, it can cut both ways. You know, I think you can show that, you know, ultimately there is some league parity by salary caps, but uh, there's also um, some downsides to it, meaning that it keeps salaries down uh, and that potentially it may not help with parity. Um, of course, MLB example is interesting because they do have a luxury tax, Um which essentially serves as somewhat of a salary cap if a team doesn't want to pay the tax. But um, we'll sort of see how this all plays out. But again, folks, I do appreciate you listening in and uh, making us number one sports law podcast in the world. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. And this episode has been brought to you by Bet Online. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm.